Welcome to episode 217 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 121 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I take a look at week three of FAB, uh, take a look at the most added players, share our most added players and drop players, and then answer some listener questions and we got some good 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 listener questions uh today so thanks everybody for sending those in as always if you enjoy the podcast please do leave a rating and review on itunes or your preferred podcast platform always appreciate that let's get this party started and welcome back everybody to another episode of bub on the bat flip episode 121 Going to come back with you with a recap of the week three fab world, as we like to do week in and week out. Some awesome listener questions and much, much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDantric and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Doing well, Bubba. I'm I'm wearing my Reds hat today in honor of Tommy Pham um, and his revenge home runs against the San Diego Padres. The Padres may be destroying the Reds. And I haven't worn this red Reds hat for a long time because of the way they acted in free agency and just with trading all their talent. But um, I will re- I will wear a Reds hat for Tommy Pham's two home runs against the Padres. I, I don't get why they keep on booing him in San Diego. Is, did he say something mean to them or? He must have. I don't know the story there either. I thought he was a pretty quiet dude, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because he, I have no idea. I can't, I can't tell you. It makes no sense to me at all. But he, he had to have done something to, to get the reactions, my only guess. Yeah, it says, I even see an article co- titled, I, I went to Google to find out, it says, Reds fam puzzled by booze from Padres fans. Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe they're like bummed out because he disappointed them last season. So like, screw you, fam. You cost us the postseason. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, none of it makes sense. It's weird. So we'll see. But uh, let's jump in to some fab. As like I said, we got some listener questions. We got some fun fab to talk about. More closers on the move tradition, unlike any other. So uh, we'll kick things off for those keeping track at home or want to check. We use the online uh, fab moves, the player movement page from each week. And this past week, the leader in the clubhouse added in 176 leagues for a max of 457, a min of two dollars is the one, the only Hector Neris, Toby, who looks to slot into the closers role while. Uh, Presley is on the IL with the knee issue. You know, reports came out saying if it was a playoff game, Presley would still be pitching. But, you know, the velocity was murky and his production wasn't overall like compelling, like great stuff and confidence from people that had him rostered. So there might be more than just a knee thing. It's like more like, hey, let's go uh, get you fixed up and see what we got to do here. I don't know. So what's your thoughts on Hector Neris? Because I put in some money on this this week. Now, I didn't break the bank because as people should know by now, I don't do that. But I did get a couple Hector Neris shares. You're muted. Um, I'm mu- muted. You now you're not. Now you're good again. Oh my God. What is wrong? You're good. You're good I'm right good. now. I'm good now. All right. I hate to think of the listeners on the other end 
when they think they're going to get my beautiful voice at the other side of the mic and it just disappears. Um, so Hector Neris, I was interested in him, but like you was not willing to go too high. I think I was in like the mid twenties. I knew I wasn't going to get him. You know, part of it was just part of it is the, is the fact that Presley, you know, they say that he should be fine relatively soon. We've obviously seen a lot of lies, you know, recently yeah. from managers and general managers about how they're going to handle the bullpen situations. We also heard Dusty Baker, I think, say that they were going to kind of go by a committee while Presley was out as well. So again, not things that I'm like taking to heart too closely, but also things that I will factor into how much fab I want to spend. Naris has been pretty good this year. Um, you know, just from a results perspective, uh, he hasn't walked a single batter in five and a third innings. He's got a 31.6% K rate. Swinging strike rate, as usual, is really nice. The O swing is down a little bit. The velo is down um, a little bit as well. So just something to, I don't know, think about, I guess. But I think he was he was a great addition for whether it's two weeks, whether it's a month. You know, he could put together three, four, five saves potentially. And I do think that he'll he'll get the bulk of the saves in Houston, and it's a great spot to be in. So I like him a lot. Yeah, that was kind of my point. I think we'll we'll recap our bids later, but I'm pretty sure I got him for like forty four dollars. I guess I got my standard bid. Like again, not breaking the bank, but I, I was putting bids out for the idea that if he gets like two to four weeks of the closers role for the Astros, that could rack up a good chunk of saves. Like that's that's just because that's how good that team is. Who knows? Like I'd rather speculate on Hector Neris than go speculate on some of these podunk teams we talked about that just are a mess to deal with. So that was that was my mindset there for forty four dollars. I still like again. I don't think I went crazy. Like we just said, someone spent four hundred and fifty seven fab dollars on him. So um, that's the beauty of the OCs, by the way. The different bids in different leagues are just awesome. But um, I'm with you. Like he's been really, really good this year. He's had the job in other teams before. He's been good and bad before too. Like we've seen the whole Hector Neris roller coaster ride. So you never know what you're going to expect. But you know, you know, Rob uh, DiPietro mentioned it earlier in the season. I believe you did. He did. Well. Shout out to Rob. Yeah. Like they paid Neris money. Like obviously they right before the season gave Presley an extension as well, which kind of offsets that whole idea. But there was a point there where you knew that if worse came to worse, the Astros trusted Neris to take over in case something happened to Presley. So that's kind of the way I looked at it and was a little more aggressive than I usually am. Cause I don't, I didn't like need, need closers, but if I can go, like I said, get two to four weeks of a guy on a lockdown team and maybe get me five or six saves, I'm willing to spend 44, 45 to 50 bucks on it and give it a, give it a whirl. So that's kind of where my head was this week. And um, in the, in the OCs as when we recap our, our, um, our moves, like I've said all preseason, I need to do a better job of churning guys that I just, you know, are kind of fringy in 12 teamers. And that's what made me go and get like a Hector Neris by dropping like a Rafael Ortega in a 12 or something like that. Like different guys that you might not do in a 15 or kind of like suspect where I was always guilty in the past of holding too long. I was like, I'd rather do Neris for a little while than kind of roster this like Moustakis guy who's now on the IL that's just sitting on my bench. Like it just doesn't make sense. So that was my two cents behind that. Yeah. And like to your point about the five or six saves, I mean, that's tremendous. About 10% of what you need, you know, like the six saves. I mean, you need like, about 70 saves or so to be at that 80th percentile marker at this point, who knows it'll, if it'll even be that high this year, you know? So, um, it's, it's a big deal to get those few. Yeah. So that's the goal. We'll see how it works. Unfortunately, I'll probably get like two or three Presley will come back. I'll drop them. Then Presley will get seriously hurt. And I'll have to pay a ton of money for him to get like 20 saves to finish the season. <laughs> that's what'll probably happen because I, I'm like really proud of what took place now and it'll all backfire. 
All right, Owen Miller, he's been the talk of the town for your Cleveland Guardians with uh, Bobby Bradley struggling. Bubba. Shocker, yes. Breaking news. What's up? We may have a new closer in Kansas City. Did it officially happen? Stamont's in the ninth, yes. top of the ninth, one-run well, game. I have him in two leagues. He's fifth on our list to talk about, so we will get to oh, him. Oh, man, that's going to be a juicy conversation. Yes. We should I, put it at the yes. end of the pod so people have to listen to the whole thing. Yes, yes, listen to the whole pod because this is a pro-Stamont pod, and this is happening way Very early. heavily pro-Stamont. Yeah. So this, this is, is way earlier than it was supposed to happen. Like I, didn't, I expected this to happen, but not like 10 games into the season. So it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. I mean, we might we might rename this Bubba the Batflip, Bubba and the Batflip, and Stamont. Yes, that's I'll how do. big of a pro Stamont yep. contingent we have, and our fan base—they're rabid Stamont people. Yeah, we are the Stamontians. This is what we, we do around here. So, like, people needed to register with this and see where it is. So, we will get to him shortly. We'll okay. stay within the division. And hit Owen Miller, who's got first base. I think it's only second base on NFEC. I know Yahoo is first base, second base coming into the season, but he's going to get you dual eligibility because he's playing a lot of first base right now, which is tremendous um, with Bobby Bradley's struggles. He's hitting like six most days, hit second yesterday uh, for Cleveland, or Sunday, I mean, for Cleveland. And he's hit safely. Yesterday, went, or Sunday, he went over and that snapped a six-game hitting streak. He's hitting for some pop. He's not striking out a ton. He's walking. It's been an up-and-down like minor league system for him, but people were quite aggressive on him. Going as high as three twelve, as low as one dollar. Like I liked him for a couple bucks, but I didn't go all in on Owen Miller because if you look at his deep spring or his minor league profile, it, like it's good, but it wasn't great to me. So, what's your thoughts on Owen Miller? Yeah, I mean, I think he's all right. I think he's all right. Who were we talking about last week? I can't remember who was that. Like really good player on the Guardians who was. Hitting had a BABIP of like 650. Was it, was it Mercado? I think it was Stephen Juan. Oh, yes. Well done. Oh, you're, you were setting me up. I totally screwed it up. It was Stephen Kwan. It's Kwan. all right. Yes. It was Stephen Kwan. I mean, I love Owen Miller. He is, I mean, just so he's amazing. Wait, by the way, are you saying a 645 BABIP's not sustainable? Just checking. I know. Well, <laughs> let's check under the hood for Owen Miller. It appears as though there's a 545 BABIP. Uh, right here and a 464 ISO ladies and gentlemen this guy is the truth I mean on the hierarchy of Maslow's needs of fantasy baseball on the top is Josh Stallman second up is Owen Miller everybody no I'm just kidding I think Owen Miller's uh there's nothing in there's nothing telling me that he's like a vastly different player than he has been previously. I do think it's an interesting profile because there's a little bit of speed, you know, a little bit of pop. But, you know, the major change that he's seen is he's seen a dramatic increase in that contact rate. You know, the contact rate's up 14%. But it's also a very small sample. And what we're seeing, I think, is what I like to call the Royals effect. All right? The The Royals effect is when your team plays the Royals... (laughs) and destroys their pitching staff and all of a sudden you're quite you're muted again there you go oh my god am i back you're back i think now. i like yeah. can't touch the wire or something yeah this is don't very... touch the wire man i'm gonna have to invest in a new one of these aren't i gosh i'm so che- i'm so cheap um but no i mean i honestly like you know the, i don't know what was in the water in cleveland um but they were just 
you know, lights out. And the major change is the contact rate. Whether that's going to stay up or not, I'm not sure. You know, the chase rate is exactly the same. We got to see how that contact rate stabilizes. It's certainly a good thing to see, but I don't see anything that's necessarily different that I would trust at this point. Like the ground ball rate is also down um, considerably, which is really good. It's down about 8%. Um, he's always been a relatively high ground ball kind of person. But, you know, the max EV is the same. You know, the barrel rate is up, but it's not like he's destroying the ball. Like he's got two barrels, 8.3% barrel rate. You know, his average is 500. He's got a 327 expected BA. So I think this is all to say it's way too early to know. I do think that he's part of like that rotation with the Guardians where he's not going to be playing every day. Like he's going to be playing like four out of five, maybe um, something like that. And then when he starts to struggle, we'll see. And I just don't, I don't think he's going to be that good. I think, think he's Owen Miller. Yeah. And then you hit on a lot of the things. Like I like the streak right now. And one thing it's, it's tough because it, there's a question we'll have later. Like how do we look up fab people? Do we see rolling grass and all these things. And it's like, Owen Miller has been crushing it, but you don't get those stats. You don't get those when you add them. And so you got to like realize, even if he has a good season, he's still going to regress pretty hard for a couple of weeks. Like there's going to be a, and now he's going to be on your roster for those couple of weeks. That's just the truth of it. He could still, he could finish the season at 275, which in this era is awesome. But to go from where he's at now to 275 might hurt a little bit. So that's like the, the hard part of what you're paying for with him. I thought he was worth a few dollars. Um, if you want like the multi position aspect of him, I, I thought he was better for 15s and 12s. I'll say that much, uh, just because he's kind of more of a floor guy than a ceiling guy to me. I don't see like him jumping off the page. And you hit on a big thing, a couple of big things there, but he is going to platoon. Like when Josh Naylor came back, Naylor slotted into first base and it moved it moved Miller to second for a couple of games. And then then Naylor would DH and then Miller would go back to first. So that's a moving thing. Andres Jimenez, if he ever decides to hit a baseball consistently, might push him somewhere. That's like the only thing working in Miller's uh, favor right now. So, But there is a lot of rotating parts, as you mentioned, and that'll keep – because. The Guardians have nothing to lose by trying to get their young guys ask, like playing time if they're playing well, but they have so many young guys to move around that if they're playing poorly, they're going to try other guys. So it's just a it's a weird dichotomy in, um, in Cleveland that you have to deal with outside of like Ahmed Rosario and J-Ram. Like everybody else is kind of up for debate right now, and that's where, where things go. So running why he's hot, I guess, but like I would – I think my bids were maybe like Fifteen dollars. Like I really wasn't throwing a lot out there, and it was only in leagues like where I had Javi Baez. I'm like, I could use a second base room for like two weeks. Like that was about it. It wasn't. It wasn't like, hey, I have to have this guy. So it was one of those scenarios. Lockdown closer, Josh Stamon. Did he get it? He got it. Okay. There's a runner on first last time. I think he walked a guy. See, you're a lot more slick than me. You're like looking on your computer. You're all slick. I'm like, got my phone in my hand. Like I, I am paying attention right now. I am paying attention. I'm just trying to see what's happening. I can't, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> it's all good. That's what, that's what we're here for. I'll drive the ship. You bring the knowledge. This is how it works. Um, the you next bring some ad, knowledge too, Bubba. Yeah. Once in a while, the, the next ad was one where our friend Toby here was ahead of the curve last week. Well, and yeah, I thought super, I was ahead of yeah, the curve. He was super nervous of being ahead of the curve because he didn't feel super confident about it. But now Hansel Robles, Maybe the guy got picked up at 139 leagues, max bid of 139, low of one dollar. Um, Barnes, it's been weird there because like he's got the back issues, but now they're saying he's healthy enough to close, but he's not closing. 
but he might close. It's all over the board, Toby. Um, and Hansel hasn't pitched since the 13th when he got a save. He I don't pitched know if he today, pitched though. Okay, good. Okay, that's a start. He got a win, Bubba. He got a win, but he also works. pitched the 7th and the 8th. 1.2 innings of the cleanest baseball you have ever seen. Like, Which I looked at those, his box that, Those words don't usually come in a Hansel Robles sentence oh, either, so that's never, very important. Never. Yeah, so so how, how confident are you in this closer spread? But again, then again, you got him for a lot cheaper than people did this past week. I mean, Garrett Whitlock, Whitlock came in and pitched an inning. Like, I mean, if I had to choose between Garrett Whitlock and Hansel Robles... I'd go with Garrett Whitlock a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Mason Whitlock. Let's let's yeah. be honest, but, but since we're here, I mean, I do have Hansel Robles starting on like thirty-seven different teams, and he got a win today. So <laughs> that's big. That's a bo- that's a bonus. That's a bonus for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was feeling a lot better on Sunday, you know, as I was seeing other people bid him up, and I had him on all of my teams. Every single team, I got him for eight dollars very consistent, but, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit of a mess. I think there will probably be some mixing and matching. Um, I don't, I feel like they've got a few arms that are pitching. Well, they've got Robles who's pitching well, they've got Deekman who's pitching well, they've got Whitlock who's pitching well. So why kind of mess with it? Just kind of roll, just kind of roll with the punches. Uh, Whitlock's really good. I mean, yeah. no doubt. And, I don't have any of him because I thought that they were going to start him out as a starter or then he was going to be a middle, but who knew that he could just throw like four innings of perfect baseball and get a save or a win, you know, whenever he wanted to. So I don't feel as great about Hansel after today. I still think he'll probably be in the mix for saves, but I really wanted to get a, a, a situation where a guy was the guy and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So a little disappointing, but I still love him. I still love him. He's on the hierarchy of Maslow's need for fantasy baseball for sure. Hierarchy of Toby's gift log too. It's, it's totally there. Like it's definitely so hot. I was super, super conflicted today. Like he got a win. Like, do Do I I post it? Do I post that and just say, Hey, Hey, cut me some slack. You know, like the rest of my pitching staffs just are (laughs) God awful. Like, Every every day it's somebody. It's like Garrett Cole today is like, ah, I'll walk the five tigers. five the tigers. tigers in one and two thirds. All right. Oh. Like you do you be you, you know? Yeah. But oh, it's a bad deal there. Well, that's a whole nother whole nother podcast. Whole nother podcast Cole. right yeah. there to break down that. Wow. wow. I think that's like John Boy Media's specialty, I think. Yes, so. yes. I actually might have to go check that out because they might have a couple funny quips I can only imagine on that one. At least lighten the mood on the situation. But um, yeah, the Robles thing's weird because I didn't even realize Whitlock got the save. I just looked at it when you talked about it. Like I have Whitlock in a ton of DCs. I put bids in on him this past week. Didn't go crazy. I got him like a couple spots maybe. But it was more so because I liked the idea of him. He was supposed to be piggybacking Rich Hill, which worked well, like a little Yarborough type stuff. He's filthy. And then they're going to stretch him out to be a starter. When I drafted him in DCs, I thought he'd be the closer. So that's what's weird because the DCs were early. And then as things changed, I saw things in spring training. And so I'm with you on that respect. Like the way that tonight played out, you would have thought Whitlock got the Indian two thirds and Robles would have come in and got the same. So that was bizarre. And then Whitlock was supposed to potentially start tomorrow but that's not, I don't know. Go Boston. Go. Oh, he was supposed to start tomorrow. Potentially, potentially. Whitlock. Cause they're moving, they're moving pieces around. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Oh, but I think that's because Hauk isn't vaccinated and they're trying to mess with the rotation. So they don't need him in Toronto. Oh, so I, I, I think it was just pure speculation on how they would do it. Um, Cause that's next week. And he's supposed to, his spot in the rotation comes up next week in Toronto. So then Whitlock would start for sure. They're trying to move things around, I guess, but apparently Man. not. 
Apparently not. But, but by the way, I've been doing a lot of Googling of Red Red Sox vaccinations. <laughs> a lot of people have. Um, Rob Evaldi's good. Tweeted, Evaldi's good. Good. Rob Silver tweeted something out the other day. I don't know if it had everybody's, but it had a couple guys for sure that weren't. So that mm. at least. Oh, really? Who was it? It was Hauk and Hauk was one. I want to say um, Plawecki, which shouldn't matter. But then again, Christian Vasquez is on the IL. Is he uh, injured? Was Christian Vasquez just on the IL? Plawecki hurt too. That wouldn't surprise me. Was um, it that shows you how much I care about. Yeah, because Connor Wong, Connor, Connor Wong started God. today. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting because like the whole A's thing with pucking them when they went in there, and yeah. So keep yeah. an eye on that fun stuff, folks. If it wasn't fun enough already, you got that going for you. But enough Hansel Robles talk. Let's get to Taylor Ward. Picked up in 129 leagues, not Tyler Ward, Taylor Ward. Max of 221, low of two dollars, and this one. This one shocked me a bit, folks. Like, I get what you saw from Taylor Ward. Like, you know, back in 20, uh, 2019, 27 homers, 11 stolen bases. The hype train was flowing. But we really haven't seen it consistently. Came up, hit a home run on Saturday. It's just another outfielder in Anaheim to me. But um, tell me I'm missing something. What's the deal with Taylor Ward that everyone was so giddy about? Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I was in on him. My bids ranged from, like, you know – five dollars not really because i don't bid on bid in fives or tens but um it was like range between five dollars i think the highest i had in him for him was like 63 bucks but i got beat out every single place i can definitely see it i mean he's coming into the angels he's gonna play every day joe madden says he's going to play in the middle of the lineup um the skills are actually decent i mean if you look at um um i'll look it up right now just so that i can tell you all uh, if you look at him, he's a pretty, he's a pretty solid all around guy. I mean, the O swing for his career is at 26.8%. It's really good. You know, his overall contact rate is at 75.7%, but there's kind of an anomaly in there, a 61.2% contact rate. Every other year he's been better than league average at contact. You know, the hard hit, um, has been decent, you know, decent, like from the hard hit perspective. But if you look at his barrel rates, you know, career at 8.6%. So he has close to, I think, 600 plate appearances. He has 548 plate appearances. He's got 16 home runs. He's got six steals, um, but he's got 29 barrels. So you're looking more at like kind of 21 home run power, maybe like 20 to 25 in 600 plate appearances. And then with the speed, I think it was influenced a little bit, you know, recency bias of him stealing a base and hitting a jack. Um, over the weekend, but I could see, I could definitely see it, especially where he's going to be in that lineup playing every day. Um, there are, there's not a lot of hitting on the wire so far this year. It's been rough. So I can see where people were going with it. I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go that extreme, but I can see why people, I can see why you would do like a triple digit bid for him. Um, if you were, if you needed outfield and you kind of just saw like, Hey, here's an everyday player hitting the middle of the the angels lineup who is decently skilled. My question is how do we know he's an everyday player? Like Joe Adele went three for four tonight. Brandon Marsh is swinging a decent bat. Is it because trout's hurt? Is that what we're saying? Everyday player for uh, Joe Madden said he's an everyday player. Do we he believe said. Joe Madden now? I mean, that's why the, I was, the, that's why the, I was the guy curious. did. I mean, he walked a guy with the base. He intentionally walked Corey Seager with the bases loaded and down one run back to back times last night. He has no reason to lie. He's okay. an open book. Okay. I mean, I'm just curious. There's a lot of moving parts there in that outfield. That's why 
it's hard for me to trust. Like I was ready to. You're I, just I, a Joe Adele fan, Bubba. I am, and it's like it's so frustrating because the strikeout rate is horrible, but his hard contact rate, his barrel rates, like everything about him is phenomenal. Three hits tonight, like. I feel like if he can just figure out a breaking ball, which is tough to do, very tough to do, because that's what's crushing him. If he can figure out how to hit a breaking ball or at least lay off a breaking ball, that kid's so talented. Like, the sky's the limit for him. And so I, I'm scared that I, I even tweeted it out. I'm like, this is going to be the guy this year that I'm finally going to have to drop, and he's hmm. going to just have him. Like, I have always had my Matt Carpenter flashbacks. This is going to be my Matt Carpenter this year, and it's going to be terrifying. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's like I can't quit him yet. I can't quit him yet. And who, you, know, you know who else we can't quit? Josh, Josh Belmont. Oh my god! He was added in 108 leagues today. Too far. Oh, so good. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, not safe for work. If you guys need to like change this real oh, quick. Oh man, um, not Josh safe Belmont. for work for sure. Yeah. High of two forty nine, low of one, and it kind of started twisting this way. Over the weekend, it was kind of a beautiful thing for those that have been wondering. But um, he got the save tonight, as Toby has mentioned. But he also got a save uh, two days ago on mm. um, on Sunday, which kind of got the ball rolling. He's been outstanding this year. And I said in the preseason that this was one of my my late targets in DCs because he talked about the COVID issues he had last spring that really messed with his velo and his just overall production last year. And you could see it getting better as the season went on. And he was supposed to be the closer at one point in time. I just, that was just pure speculating on him. And I was not a Barlow believer. And so far, so good. So, thoughts on Josh Stomont? I mean, speculate away, Bubba. Speculate away. I mean, Josh Stomont, let me read you his line from today. Okay. Read away. W- one inning pitched, zero hits, zero runs, zero earned runs, one cool. walk, one K. 13 in pitches and a save. That's pretty good. I mean, that is just overwhelming. I'm, I, I don't even know what to say. I've never seen a save quite like that save that we just, that I just witnessed watching my phone. Um, Just looking at the little numbers on my phone and the updates, you know? Um, No, I mean, I think, it's really interesting. I mean, you know how our brains operate around these closer situation. Mm-hmm. Like literally I saw, I saw, you know, I saw that Barlow was in, in the seventh and the eighth. And then I saw Stamont come in and then he, and he shut the door and he looked dominant against the Tigers. I mean, twins. I mean ask Garrett Cole if the Tigers are easy. Oh, right? Sunday night. I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but it was just the way he reacted when he got that save. He was so pumped up. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I like threw everything away. I threw everything out, like all of the analytics, all the usage, all the leverage, everything. He went, he like, went Bubba on his bids. He went full, like he he got rid of the Toby method and went Bubba just like, he's going to go crazy here. <laughs> I, I didn't get that aggressive, but I was like, Josh Stamont wants to be the closer. He wants the job badly. He wants it. He's showing them. He's fired up. He's got the attitude. Everything from a qualitative perspective told me that Josh Stallman was going to be the closer of the Kansas City Royals. Now, in my bids, I got him in a couple of places. I got him in one main, I think, which is fantastic. And I got him in TGFBI. Um, there were some people that were more aggressive than I was, which was a little, I felt, I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess everybody's going for closers right now, like really hard, but um, I just felt like there wasn't that much of a narrative around him and everything that I was seeing around waiver wire and Twitter and everything like that. Maybe people were keeping it on the wraps because they know that Josh Stallmont 
is potentially the best closer in the last 15 years. So, I mean, he's been okay this year, like including, including today, he's got a three, six ERA, you know, the whip is a little high as usual. The walk rate is there. I think the key for me though, for him is the velocity. It is, uh, it is back up from last year. Last year was down to 96, six. It's up to 97, four. I did not. Let's see what he he was at. I mean, I don't know he's if I at ninety six five tonight. Nine. He was only at ninety six five tonight. His curveball was up. I mean, that's super disappointing. Bubba Barlow's really, stuff was down pretty good. The, yeah, well, that was. I saw that's, somebody that point out that Barlow stuff. Yeah. I think it was Zach. Zach um, Waxman, Waxman was saying that his stuff was really down. Um, man, this really isn't going along though with the. With the it wasn't that bad because the season, there, the season average is 96.5, so he's only down 0.4. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Fangraphs has it differently. I'm going to believe oh, yeah, I'm looking savant, so yeah. I'm going to believe Fangraphs. Um, but yeah, you're right. Anyways, I mean, he had one whiff on 13 pitches. I mean, geez, talk about a, blowing the opposition away. Uh, but no, I mean, I think I think it could be his gig. I mean, it could be his gig. All signs, I shook the eight ball and it just said all signs point to <laughs> yes. I love it. We love this is the Josh Stallmont podcast, folks. Remember that. This is, the, is the pro. Unless things go poorly, you go somewhere else. But like, you know, if you, you want to believe fan graphs, you look at this prospect report 70 out of 70 fastball, 70 out of 70 curve, 30 out of 30 command. Like he rated out pretty dang darn good when it came to this situation and it wasn't too long ago where he was just completely dominant in 2020. Like I said, he had the COVID stuff. And like you mentioned his reaction. Well, that's kind of the interview I heard during spring training, how he basically was kind of ticked off that he wasn't that good last year as health wise and just didn't get the closers job. Like he wanted the closers job. So mm. um, we'll see where it goes. Should be fun. Should be darn fun. All right. Johan Duran went in 105 leagues as high as 271, as low as one. You know, the hype train went big on last week's fab. I think a lot of people are like, oh, man, I didn't. he's still available in our leagues. Let's go crazy for Johan Duran. And it's been an interesting ride with him. Like, he's not getting the saves. Uh, he's even got hit around a little bit last week from time to time, but tons of strikeouts, tons of strikeouts. Um, he's got great electric stuff, but they're not really using him in the closers role yet. So I'm kind of torn on what to do with him. Like, he's great, but, like, if Whitlock is out there and Duran's out there, I wanted Whitlock. I just... It was tough for me to go after Duran. Are you? Uh, I, I agree. His stuff's awesome. I just don't know what Baldelli's going to do there. So, what's your thoughts on Duran? Yeah, I mean, I think this is mostly twelves. He was gone in in most of my leagues. I'm not really interested because, I mean, the skills are off the charts. But I don't think I don't think he's got the role. I, I mean, yeah, I know he's got I one. Seen the role at all. I, I think they had him in there with like a four run lead or something like that. I mean, the O swings like 42%, the Z contact 63%. It's silly, you know, 21.2% um, swinging strike rate, you know, like he, and he's getting hit around a little bit, three home. Um, he's already given up uh, two home runs um, already 364 Babbitt, you know, so he's been unlucky. He came on his walk is 34.6%. I mean, He's absolutely felt filthy. I felt a little bad. I felt like I was cherry picking last week when I when I kind of was a little bit critical on him. He's an, even generates you know, quite a few ground balls, fifty four percent. So he's really, really, really good. I just don't think any of the usage in Minnesota points to him being the guy on a regular basis and a regular enough basis for me to care. I think I'm hoping it's Emilio Pagan. I picked him up in a number of places. I was surprised that I got him for like twenty bucks or something like that. Um, 
and he didn't pitch today. Duffy got hit around today. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But gone's the guy I would have targeted hundred percent. I talk, talked about it with you or someone else that that's where I go. A, he'd be a cheaper acquisition than the other guys in your fab. And he's got the experience. Baldelli likes that. Like, and if it doesn't work for the twins, they can trade him. Like, this is all what the twins kind of want to do. So I like the Pagan angle quite a bit. If he's still out there, I'd be looking to go that route. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, this was a fun one. Adding 105 leagues as high as 122, as low as three. He was filthy in six innings against the Miami Marlins. Everybody added him. Then he went to Houston, went three and a third, gave it four runs, walked two, struck out two and gave us a glimpse of the Michael Lorenzen we've known to love. Um, I think he can be streamable from time to time, but I was not breaking the bank for Michael Lorenzen until I saw it more than once against a team besides the Miami Marlins. That was my thought. What are you? What are your thoughts on Michael Lorenzen? Who, and plus six-man rotation, it just terrifies me there in Anaheim about the overall upside of what you can get there. Yeah. Um, you want to know what I did last week, Bubba? You added Michael Lorenzen? Uh, no, I actually, I dominated the Miami Marlins. You would oh. not believe it. I just, I threw a perfect game against nice, the Miami Marlins. Nice. It's almost like um, the, uh, the Royals effect as you were talking about earlier for, Owen yeah, Hill. it is. It is. It's like you face Miami pitching now. Oh, wait, Miami, breaking news, breaking news real quick with one out in the seventh inning, Joe Musgrove walked his first batter of the season. Oh man. Like I know people Joey. might not care, but that's, pretty impressive to me that's that really is. impressive he's been he's been because I, I have to give my hat tips when i can to him because we've talked about how i was kind of off of him all draft season and i couldn't figure it out he's make he's one of the few guys making me look really bad but back yeah. to where you were on michael lorenzen oh well i was just gonna say on um on michael lorenzen yeah i mean it was definitely a great start that he had um it was a great start that he had against miami and they're they are a, a professional baseball team so I was interested to see, it's kind of really, I think it's really challenging because you get like the kind of both worlds you get, you have one start against Miami, one start against the Astros, you know, and then you have kind of what you have, whether he's going to be able to do that or not. I just don't, I don't think he, I mean, has he ever done it like that? Like he's never, he hasn't even been that good of a reliever recently. And now you, we think that he's going to be able to step up and be a really good starter. I don't know. That doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. So I wasn't really in on him, you know, after the first two games, you know, O swing is right around league average. Z contact is under at 82%. Swing strike rate 11.3%, but he's got a 174 Babbitt, you know, he does have a 64.5% strand rate. Um, you know, he's got nine strikeouts and nine and a third. So he's, he's fine so far. He's not walking guys, but he's never like his walk rate right now is 5.4%. And the, his career low, I mean, I guess it was 6.4% in 2016, but the last few years, 11.2, 11.6, 8.2, 9.9, 9.4, you know, so he doesn't really have control, probably doesn't really have command. You know, is his stuff all that dominant? I mean, I think his velo's down because he's starting as well. Like, I just don't see it. Like, I see, like, he had a really great start at kind of an opportune time and there's maybe a little bit of a pitch mix change, but he's using his sinker more. So I don't know. Uh, I was not in on Lorenzen, not really interested in him. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. I was, I was honestly surprised by, I, I, I honestly haven't been on Twitter a ton at all. I'm like the last week I've just been kind of doing my thing, popping in and out. But when I was checking in on Sunday to seeing the love people were spreading for Michael Lorenzen for fab, I was just like, 
did I miss something? Like, what's going on here? So I dug in a little bit as I was like, I did my fag before, like, because we had it's Easter, right? I had family stuff, and it was one of those days we talked about in, in seasons past. People have asked questions, you know, that was just one of those days I'm gonna set my fab early, and if something happens throughout the day, well, that's the way it's gonna be. I don't have a choice, I'm gonna go spend time with the family. So Lorenzen just never checks. I'm like, should I go check anything? I'm like, no, I'm not gonna worry about it. And yeah, so far, so good. I, I agree what you said is like. He hasn't proven it to us yet. Why is one start against the Marlins going to change our mind? That's why I had I had to see more, and I'm okay being wrong on guys like that. So I'm with you, Michael Lorenzo. This next guy, this is a tough one for me. Mackenzie Gore added in 103 leagues, as high as 357, as low as 15. I got him in a few leagues. I did for like $91, and I have mixed emotions on this. Very mixed emotions. It's like it, 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 I'll talk about it in a minute. Well, I'll, I'll give my two cents on this, but. What's your thoughts on Mackenzie Gore? Because he was a hot commodity. We know the prospect pedigree. We saw what he did in the spring training. We saw what he did in his first minor league start. It's an interesting one. So what's your thoughts on Mackenzie Gore? Yeah. You can break um, my heart. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm totally torn on hit right now. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I can see I can see all the reasons, right? I mean, yeah. he does have that great prospect pedigree. You know, he taps into that somehow. I mean, every, all is good. I just, I'm just not sure if we've seen it quite yet. And he also had a really nice spring as well. Um, I think my major questions are, number one, there are skill questions. And number two, there are questions about, um, you know, how long he's going to be up and how long he's going to be the starting pitcher there. One, once slash if Clevenger comes back. And there's one other guy who's hurt, right? Uh, Clevenger Snell. Snell and Snell. And who knows when they're going to they'll, they'll come yeah. back. So those are my questions. I mean, you know, he didn't look great in his first start. I know it was decent, but, you know, swinging strike rate at 6.8%, O swing at 23.8. Again, this is one start. So, but this is what we have to go from 92.6 Z contact, uh, 5% K minus walk. He had a 15% K rate, 10% walk rate. Um, he had a 143 BABIP and an 83% strand rate. So that's why he didn't get blown up in his last start, you know, but it's also a really good story and it would be really good for baseball if he was electric and really good. And he's shown the talent before. Um, I'm just not sure if we are going to see it, but yeah, uh, you have to bid now if you want to see. Exactly. And that's, that was the conundrum. Cause I agree pretty much with everything you just said there. And that's where I'm like torn because for me, it's like, okay, we can like people spent a ton on Michael Lorenzen, for instance. I'd rather spend that kind of money potentially on Mackenzie Gore that if he sticks, it's because he's showing that talent we know he lo- he's and that's a game changer. Now he could be back down when those guys return from the IL, like you said, and that could be like a big bummer as well. To me, spending 90-ish dollars is still not crazy crazy. It's not ideal, but it's not like the you know $300 bids and mostly they got out a bid on. So it was one of those like, it, that was my keep him honest, like higher than normal keep him honest bid where I was looking for especially in a 12 team like online this is a ceiling play like give me a mckenzie goer that can come in there and be the mckenzie goer we hope he can be at the same time i know there's massive repercussions that could potentially come and i just wasted this whole thing so it's like we saw in my head is what we saw like what kyle wright went for in recent weeks we saw matt brash go in recent weeks and they have i think more stability in the rotation i'm not like crazy there but at the same time i think if you just talk talent wise I think Mackenzie Gore is pretty darn close to those situations. And that's where it's like, if he can just find his way into that rotation and in all honesty, Snell doesn't trust me with the most confidence of health in the world. 
and neither does Clevenger coming back from that injury and he's already hurt again. Like that gets me kind of curious on what's going on. And so maybe they use Gore as a piggyback until something else happens. I think I think they called him up for a reason. Otherwise, they would have kept him in the minors. That's my two cents. I could be totally wrong and just telling myself things to make me feel better about life. But I understand all the concerns. Like I literally isn't, isn't like, that all we all ever do? Yeah, we got to give ourselves some positive reinforcements there. But I literally, when I saw I won him in, I think, two leagues, I was happy. And at the same time, like, I don't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> so it was just like one of those things. Like, I knew I had to put bids in because I know how good he can be. And, and it was for teams that I needed pitching, you know, on like where I dropped um, like a two star Waka or something like that. Right. I, I, it was like my streaming spot in my rotation. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, going forward but I, i'm very aware for anybody that wants to tweet at me and tell me i'm an, an idiot i get the the possible Nobody would ever oh not on twitter not on twitter ever um i i know the possible downfalls to this this move trust me i totally do but uh i i didn't go crazy either all right i think we're gonna wrap it up there there's a bunch of other kind of spec guys like the blackburns of the world's mikolas i wanted to tell you well we'll talk about that on my ad uh, what on earth is miles mikolas doing on any waiver wire well, that's on why the face I, of the I, earth when, when we re, when we, re, when we recap our ads i think you'll be proud of me i think you'll be very proud of me i was gonna throw that oh out there oh my god but um by the way do... justin Steele, i don't get it i don't yeah, get why do people I. are neither do i that's another one yeah there's a few of these like, I, people i know it's cherry picking because he sucked today but Heading into today, he had a six point four percent swinging strike rate. He's gonna be he's a stream he's a streamable pitcher, and so Maybe. like so so there's there's a great example though like Justin Steele went for as high as one on one as low as a dollar. Someone paid more money for Justin Steele than I paid for Mackenzie Gore. I'll take my gamble on Mackenzie Gore than I will over Justin Steele. And again, we're cherry picking here, but Steele's a guy that should be in and on and off waiver wires a lot this season. Like there's there's you, I don't foresee him sticking on a team for very long. Let's put it that way. So we'll talk about more of these guys as things come along, but uh, let's recap our moves of the week, Toby. Why don't you pull those up and uh, give me some of your ad drops for this past week? By the way, Daniel Bard, huh? Yeah, Oof. got another one, didn't he? Holy cow, he got another one. Yeah, Just yep. saving the lights out of everything. And right now, I, I'm not going to say the words, but if anybody's like sitting around doing nothing, I'd turn on MLB Network. Just going to throw it out there. Not gonna jinx anything. Just gonna throw it out there. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, Max Freed. Yep, sixth inning. Just gonna throw wow, it out you there. Want to know something? Somebody asked me in in my DMs if they should start Max Freed today. And you want to know what I said? You said no. I said yes. Got a boy. Make me proud. Max Freed yes. for life. And Max Freed, you pretty much start him anywhere. Okay. That's because you never know when magic can happen. That's the darn truth. That's um. The truth. All right, so Fab, um, so Fab results. I picked up Emilio Pagan, dropped Matt Manning, uh, picked him up for twenty-two bucks, back up bit of eleven, so that felt pretty good. As did picking up Michael Franco, uh, three dollar bid, one dollar um, backup bid. I dropped Jordan Hicks. That was a little bit of a tough one, you know. Hicks, I definitely think he could be something, but when is he going to become playable? You know, like he's throwing. His last outing, I think he had 25 pitches. So he's been around 35 to 25 the last little bit. Doesn't look like he's going to be using the bullpen. So he's just kind of this like middling guy. And I just, I didn't really want to wait around for it, but it definitely was sad to cut him. But I got Michael Franco for three bucks. He has a great schedule, uh, especially early in the week. He's got four games, played two today. I think he was, 
had a couple one or, one or two for six and had an RBI single. So hey, I just wrote him up in an article. Like right. as long as he's got regular playing time, that's a twenty plus home run bat. And he really hits for like two sixty to two seventy. It's not the end of the world for what he can actually do. So I think that's a great ad. It's beautiful. Uh, picked up Cole Irvin, um, who had a decent start today. He's got a two-step against the Orioles. It's like the nicest two-step ever. I think it's like Orioles and who else? Who else is he going up against? Let me check really quickly. Uh, Orioles and Rangers, uh, both at home. Um, of course, the A's managed to put up zero runs uh, against um, Chad Ellis. You know, so we're not going to get a W there. But Irvin pitched decently well. Got him for 17 bucks. dropped Matt Strom. Picked up Drew Smiley, dropped Drew Steckenreiter. This isn't a standalone league. Steckenreiter just isn't that good. I mean, I don't think he's that good, and he may have access to saves. I don't think it's going to last very long. Going back to last year, he's got a sub-10% swinging strike rate. I can't just have committee guys in my starting lineup who aren't even going to strike dudes out. Sorry, it doesn't work. Uh, picked up Michael there goes, Franco. There goes the perfect game. Oh my God! He had a perfect game, Bubba. Yeah, through five who and blew, then uh, just gave up a base hit. It was it uh, I don't even know who that is. Hanser Alberto, the old Giants great. Oh my God! You had to know it was going to happen. At least it was only through five, though, right? Yeah, it is Hanser Alberto. That's hilarious. Yep, that's him. Oh man, days, days just went up two to one. Yep, Seth Brown, baby. Seth, Seth Brown, Brown, baby, home run. Man, why yeah, two run double. My dude, two run double. Two run double. Okay. Yeah. Man, uh, rough day for Framber. Well, that's yep, too. Yep. Man, God, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, I picked up Michael Franco. I dropped Hassan Kim, uh, eight bucks, uh, three dollars uh, backup. Um, on the next team, I picked up Emilio Pagan, twenty-two bucks. Dropped Matt Strom, backup bit of nineteen dollars. Picked up Jake Diekman, uh, dropped Matt Manning. Uh, $7 bid, and then I picked up Elvis Andrews and dropped Chris Stratton. Uh, Andrews has a really nice week this week against the Orioles and the Rangers all at home. He plays every day. Hopefully, he gets me at least one steal. Um, in the other one, Josh Stamont, pickup of the year, dropped Matt Strom, 14 and 6. Uh, Ramon Urias, I picked up, dropped Hasyung Kim, $12 with $0 in backup bids, which was kind of interesting. I was surprised, but I think people probably know better than I do because he, Urias has not been doing anything, but he's got a really good, he's got seven games and uh, four against the A's. Uh, picked up Hansel Robles in my OC, dropped Matt Strom, $28 bid, $24 runner up. Picked up Jake Diekman at four bucks, dropped uh, a $1 backup bid, dropped Alicia Hernandez. And then in TGFBI, it was Josh Stamont without a backup bid. Dropping what a lazy strong. league. What a lazy league. No Hit backup up. bid and a 15 for no Josh Stamont. No backup bid. Come on, guys. Jonah, Jonah Heim picked him up because I have Danny Jansen on that team. In most of my leagues, I just have Jansen just occupying the spot right now. But dropped Chris Stratton, $2, no backup bid. And then finally, our shared league of Barf, where my team, I think, is ranked like 145th out of 150 in the um, first, overall first standings. I had 26 points at one. At one time. I was like, how do you, yeah. how is that possible? Just remember uh, people Toby's going to come finish like top 10. Now this is what he does. And we'll see Eric Fetty, $11 drop Matt Strom, Michael Franco, $7 unicorn bid as you like to say it. Yeah. $7 with a backup of seven. And because I'm last place in the whole thing, I automatically <laughs> get him. 
Uh, Matt Manning is the backup. And then I, dri- I added Ramon Urias and dropped Matt Beerling. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Right in time for Matt Beerling to go for two for two today, which there you was go. ideal. All right, for me and TGFBI, I added Spencer Strider for $33, dropped mm. Alex Colmay. I'm speculating on that. If Hey, again, did you hear what happened today? No, what happened? They sent down um, oh, yeah, Noah, yeah. and they sent sent down one other guy too, right? I didn't see the other one. And they sent down two people, and nice. they and they uh, Tukey is coming up, but I would not be surprised to see Strider get some in love. There. Yep, yeah. for sure. Uh, in another league, Mackenzie Gore for 91 dropped Bailey Ober. Aaron Hicks, I grabbed him and dropped Garrett Hampson, who's on the IL. Hicks is leading off for the Yankees, so I'm going to take my chances there. In Barf, um, did I get any? Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, I got Wade, Tyler Wade, um, dropped Rafael Ortega. I wanted that to multi-position with Wade. I uh, got Madbum for his two starts, dropped Zach Thompson, 17 for nine, grabbed Spencer uh, Strider for 12, dropped Greg Holland, added Michael Lorenzen for $11. Again, not breaking the bank for Michael Lorenzen, people. And the backup bid was $11, so I won the unicorn bid there. Dropped mm. Alex Colomay. And I honestly don't even know if I started him this week. I have to go check that. But uh, I was willing to pay $11 to see what the fuss is all about, not $100, not $11. Uh, and one of my OCs... Miles Mikolas dropped Michael. Oh, Walker. yeah, it's gonna be a trend. I got me a lot of Miles Mikolas. You're gonna be very proud of me. Oh, wow, I'm there. so excited for your team. Yeah. I grabbed a, an early look at Lamont Wade Jr. and dropped Garrett Hampson because he's supposed to be back pretty soon. So, got him for 21 now before the hype train gets rolling. Um, in my one of my OCs, uh, qualifiers, I got McKenzie Gore for 92, runner up 91. I got wow. Hector Maris for 44, dropping Mitch Keller, runner up a 31. So I got those two there, but yeah, hmm. that um, that was the close gore one. Um, and then another one, uh, um, another qualifier. So both my qualifiers, I got McKenzie Gore for 91, a runner-up 71. I got Hector Neris in that one. Got Jordan Hicks. He was still available somehow. So I got him for 41. Like A lot of Hicks, a lot of Meekless this week, a lot of Neris. There's a trend. Man, I dropped, I but, dropped Hicks. I'm a believer in that. They stopped yo-yoing him around. Like the talent's ridiculous, so maybe I'll end up dropping him eventually, but uh, in my second OC, uh, I got Brandon Nemo, dropped Seth Brown, got Nemo for 61. I thought that was pretty interesting. Dro- uh, low of 37. Got Jordan Hicks for 33, runner-up 29. Hansel Robles, got him there for 31, runner-up 14. Uh, and I got a cheap uh, Jorge Lopez, cheap Tyler Wade, as I'm just churning stuff out in that league, trying to make up some ground. I got two more OCs to go, then I'll stop talking. Um, no, no, no. Merrill Kelly for 91, back up mm-hmm. a 76, dropped Michael Walker. Uh, added Kyle Gibson, did not start him this week. He has two great matchups next week. Um, grabbed him for $31. Nice. No I, love that. I love that one week before bid. Yep, no runner-up bid. Got him for 31. I thought I, I thought people would be paying attention more. I guess I should. <laughs> they must have just saw Coors and moved on. Mm-hmm. But uh, dropped Greg Holland and grabbed Miles Mikolas for $26, oh, yeah, runner-up a six. He, um, and he's got, I believe, got two nice ones next week, too. Uh, I did a lot of that speculating. Like, I'm not going to break the bank for you guys. Let me get some other dudes. Um, in my last OC, Merrill Kelly for 81, runner up only 24 in this one. Uh, dropped Waka, who I'll probably stream off and on all season. I think he's good in the two start weeks, but it's tough to pitch him just one week, one game a week. Uh, grabbed Hector Neris for 44, runner up 26, and that was it. So, got me a few Mikula shares, got me some uh, early, uh, early Gibson one, lots of Neris, some Hicks. There's, a, there's always a trend, it seems like, when we make moves. We got our guys we're targeting. And um, I did uh, drop a handful of Pavetta this week. I just wasn't wow. going to play that. He seems to be more streamable for me right now, which 
was hard to do because the robot's big on Pavetta this year, and it's only a few starts. But again, in an OC, I'd rather put Mikolas or uh, Merrill Kelly there for now on a two-start than Pavetta. So we'll see if that backfires. That's going to be a fun one. I believe Pavetta pitches Wednesday against Toronto. Yeah, so he's that'll got be Toronto, a, and then next week, a tough what schedule. Do they have? I think at Toronto. Next week he'll be. Uh, he'll be it's a tough Toronto. Tough, potentially add him next week for like two bucks, probably. At Toronto, to... and then oh man, but then he's got the Orioles. Yeah, that's why. God, they do that. They do that to us. Yeah, you add they him do next that week to us, right? Like if if somehow like so like you know maybe Jordan Hicks gets you know just shoved into the seventh inning roll, drop Hicks, grab Pavetta for like three bucks, we're back at it. That's the fun of this game, isn't it, Toby? So much oh, fun. Sure. Uh, just the constant flipping stuff around. But I like that's one thing I try to do is the roto what we talk about, that roto wire starting pitcher grid. I almost focus more on the next week's line than the first the week we're on. Mm-hmm. That's just something I do to try. Does it work every time? Heck no. But like the Waka thing worked pretty well when I told you I was drafted with my 30th pick or I grabbed him in first fabs. Mm-hmm. Does it work all again? It does not work all the time. I did that with Austin Gomber last year. We know how that went. So it's just I'd rather do it cheaper if it's going to be an interesting situation than break the bank. That's the theory behind that. All right. Let's talk some listener questions for everybody before we head on out of this lovely show. Our buddy Dave Petros, the yellow, comes at us. I tweeted this the other day. I hate to bash Dob Mattingly because he was my favorite player as a kid, but I feel like he benches Sanchez and Chisholm against lefties, and I know Bubba's with me on Chisholm to prove that he understands analytics. They both have good splits against lefties, and they're the team's two brightest young stars. It makes no sense. There's no question, but uh, he's angry, and I get it. Chisholm's actually raking right now. He's never going to hit for a high average. On top of my head, he's like at like 260-ish, but he's getting triples and homers, and he's not stealing bases because it's hard to steal after you get to third base. But um, Sanchez did lead off on Tuesday night because Soler sat. Chisholm still sat at the bottom of the order, but those two guys are studs, and eventually, eventually you'd have to imagine if they keep hitting – you can't keep putting them at the bottom. Like, and Sanchez hasn't been at the bottom. Sanchez has been in the middle of the order. So we'll see what happens. But that's my two cents. Like, there really wasn't a question there. If you have any thoughts on that, um, yeah, not not really. I mean, I think um, Solaire is a very high OBP guy. You know, or not like a very high OBP guy, but he walks a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the problem, I, the, I think the challenge is, is like, we are always looking at these things in the context of fantasy. Yeah. And they so, don't care. They, don't, and they don't care. Don and a hundred percent does not care about your fantasy team. I mean, I'd right rather now. see jazz Chisholm hit a lot more. Right. <laughs> um, so it probably doesn't make sense from a baseball perspective either. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's tough. It's like, we all want Kyle Tucker to hit higher up in the lineup, but mm-hmm. I'm just glad for now the Chisholm, he's been more consistently playing. It was like that first week he was getting platoons. Maybe that was just a let that one go. Because I remember um, Craig Mish tweeted out the first time Chisholm got benched and Chisholm was in the dugout retweeting people's like negative. It was pretty funny. And um, I thought that was going to get him like kicked off the team way Don Mattingly works. I'm like, ah, oh, Chisholm, stop it, stop it. But um, Mish tweeted out when that was all going down to kind of like calm us down fantasy wise that Don Mattingly makes it a point every year to get every player in at least one start for the opening series. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of his way of doing it. Like, hey, lefties on the mound, let's get birdie out there. We haven't really seen a whole lot of that since. So yeah. crossing my fingers. Now, higher in the order would be great, but just keep playing every day. I'll live with that for now. 
Um, Ryan Roof, our good buddy from Rotowire, asks, I dropped Bryson Stott in one of my OCs to pick up Manny Marco. Yeah, it's a good lefty matchups this week, as I had good middle infield depth already with Brandon Lau, Ahmed Rosario, and Jeremy Pena. I feel like it was the right move, but one that could eventually come back to bite me. Did I make a mistake dropping him in a 12? The only thing I would say is it's tough to drop him with the Coors series coming up, but he didn't even start today. He pinch hit, didn't do anything. And he hasn't had a hit since the first game of the season where he went uh, two for four. Or no, he had a hit in uh, the 13th. He has two games with hits, otherwise nothing. It's been rough for Bryson Stott. Like so much so that Baum is getting more playing time. And if Baum, I think, had regular good defensive skills, Stott would be in the minor leagues right now. That's my two cents. Yeah, I don't think he made a mistake, especially in a 12. Yeah. Um, I think he's a dime a dozen. Those are the tough and moves honestly, like, to do. That's just the way it works. Yeah, and the, and, I mean, the rookies are be, have been awful. Like, every, almost every single one except for Jeremy Pena has been um, horrible. Julio got his third steal tonight. He did, he's start, for sure. Starting to get, at least start to at least get on, and he's getting squeezed. I'll give that much. If you've probably seen those tweets about the, yeah, the, like those are some bad, bad deals. They are. I mean, the thing is, like Julio, when you look at his projection for 600 plate appearances, he was like 2010. Yeah, you know that's something. Like Stott is like 12, eight, and like in a 12, he's just yeah, doesn't really, doesn't really Mar- Manny Margot against a bunch of lefties, and is the right move. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Roof. Good job. Um, Richard Sands, our buddy, asks, in a fab league with seven with a seven-man bench, no IL, sounds like an FPC, um, would you pick up Chris Sale even if you have some lesser guys on the IL already? If so, how much would you bid on him? This is a fun one because like, I have Sale in a couple leagues and I'm debating dropping him or not, even though I know how much that'll pain me. And I know he's available in other leagues. So how are you handling Chris Sale right now? What is it? Estimated return is June. He was yeah, he got put on the, the sixty uh, day, so I, that's why it's tricky. Like, I still wanted to just drop him and pick him up in like four weeks. Before, but yeah. I'm not the only one that's got that mindset's the problem. I think that the challenge is, I think a lot of it depends on what your bench and your roster looks like. Like he said, he's got some guys that are less than sale already on the ILC you know, on his bench. Yeah, don't do it. I wouldn't do it then because. It gets really, really tight quickly. You really have just that one guy that you can have. Like I drafted a Ramon Laureano in one league. And that was only because I knew like this wasn't injury related. It was, you know, he's going to be back in 27 days or 27 games and he's back and he's in there. And so there's like knowledge. You know, Chris Sale has to come back. He has to come back healthy. And then he has to rehab still too. And that kind of setbacks. Like there's a lot that can take place there. For sure. And so, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to be able to do that, but I think you'll lose a lot by not having flexibility, either additional pitchers that you can kind of throw in there when, when things don't look good for that given week or kind of rotating in good matchups for hitters too. So a lot depends on your bench, but if you already got guys who are on the IL, I would, I would steer clear of them. Yeah. That's why it's tough. Like that's why I'm debating dropping them in certain leagues because there's a lot that can go right and wrong in that scenario still. It's, it's, it's a rough one. All right, next question we got on this fun one. Rob DPH, our buddy at Deadpool Hitter, the Pull Hitter Podcast. At what point in the season do you consider retiring from fantasy baseball? Today. Um, week one it of was fab. the second inning of the Yankees-Tigers game. <laughs> and Garrett Cole walked five batters. Yeah. Are that you, was it. That was the moment for me. Pure speculation stuff. 
Do you think it's the, the sticky stuff? No, no, I don't think so. Because he got I mean, going again last year after that. He's been, he was fine. Like in his first two starts, he had a 1.0 whip. He had a 560 ERA. His swinging strike rate was like 15%. He's totally fine. I mean, it's from every, all accounts, it sounded like the weather was god awful today in Detroit. Um, so I'm just, I'm saying that's probably what it was. Um, uh, I, he's never been bad. I mean, even after the sticky stuff last year, um, he wasn't bad. He's been bad against like the Red Sox and Vlad Jr. hit a couple home runs off him. I think it's still really early. I hope he turns it around. Um, thankfully, he was very lucky because he only ended up giving up those two runs. Clark Schmidt came in, closed it down. It could have been a lot worse from an ERA perspective. So instead, you got 1.2 innings, two earned runs, I think one or two hits and five walks, and you, you got three or four Ks, I think. So it wasn't god-awful. You combine that with the Hansel Robles outing, and you pretty much had a perfect game. Yep, there you go. Almost a perfect game. I like where your head's at on that one. The optimism that always reigns with Toby on this one. Um, Drew, our buddy at Fru underscore Dorte, does the early season lack of power and possible full season effects? The article by Colette of Rotowire and Derek Cardi, his tweets, affect pitchers or hitters you're looking to pick up in fab? Are you using this new info about the, you know, there's more barrels, but there's fewer home runs and all these different things about, um, you know, pitching? All. <laughs> Averages so low, like all these different things right now. Is that affecting how you approach fab right now? Um, not particularly. I would say though that um you know all the evidence is pointing to a decrease in the home run rate. And if that happens, then I think it benefits fly ball pitchers, which honestly I was already I already like fly ball pitchers a little bit more. Um and because just because it takes a real elite ground ball guy to be like Framber, you know, to be really excited about a ground ball guy and to have a huge impact. And then, um, uh, and then I think what you'll see is there will be a lot less of those like 15 to 20 home run guys, 15, 20, 25 home run guys. You'll have kind of like those elite power hitters that'll continue to hit a lot of home runs, but then kind of middle of the pack guys may have a little bit of a harder time. But it's still early. You never know what baseball is going to do with the ball. Um, yeah. But it certainly seems convincing to me. Yeah, we, they could change things out without even telling us, like usual, and that can make things a whole different ball game. And the way I look at it is, it's kind of the same for everybody in your league. So I'm not panicking in that scenario. We're all kind of in the same boat. But the fly ball guys make a lot of sense, as you said. It might give a little more uh, love to some of the not super power hitters if you're looking for hitters more. You know, good floor guys might kind of come closer to the pack type scenario in theory, at least in deeper leagues. So that's another angle you could look at. But I like the fly ball thing you mentioned there for sure. Uh, Johnny L, MLB moving averages says batting averages are so bad right now. Where do you think the 80th percentile will fall by season's end? Oh, God, I don't know. It was 257. No. 257, 258, 261. I can't remember. I haven't looked at my spreadsheets in such a long time. Um, probably in the high 250s would be my guess. I mean, it's early. It's still early, and it's been abnormally cold. Yeah. And, I mean, Cardi, I, I didn't read Jason Collette's article, but Cardi factored all that stuff in. So, um, but just in terms of batting average, like, I don't know. It's still early. I think pitchers have uh, the advantage, except for the pitchers that are on my team, apparently. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's tough. Like you look at the Reds lineup today and there's one hitter hitting above 200. Yep. 
Yep, it's bad. You look how much they. I look for DFS purposes. You see how much they strike out right now. It's yeah. Baltimore Orioles esque. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, Andy Splinter asks, "What's your process for doing Fab? Do you check a player's at bats or innings pitch? Do you look at rolling graphs? Something else? How do you approach Fab? I know we've talked about it before, but uh, we can recap it here for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few filters I look at. I look at schedule because a lot of times that's really the determination. I mean, the guys on the waiver wire. They're a dime a dozen. There's not a lot of guys that stand out when there when there are. It's very when there is there. It's very clear. Normally, like everybody's in on them. So there's that piece. And so I'll look at the weekly Rasball projection. I'll look at Monday through Thursday. I'll look at Friday through Sunday. I'll look at the whole week, um, both for hitters and pitchers, and just seeing like if there's any guys that are on the waiver wire that are jumping out at me. You know, add them to my queue. Uh, it's too early to look at skills, but at a certain point, like I'll look over the last 30 or over the last two weeks, just to see if there's anybody who's kind of like jumping out, increased contact rates, lower O swings, but that, that stuff's pretty noisy and a smaller sample just because it, a lot of it will be like, Oh, did you play the Royals? You know? So everybody's, you know, got a really high contact rate, stuff like that. So I kind of run those filters, like the schedule filter, the playing time filter, the recent lineups like how, how much I think players are going to play. And then for pitchers, it's just, you know, it's obviously just kind of straight lineups um, and looking what they, what their value is on, on Raz ball, but not that entirely because I don't always agree with it. So that's just, that's kind of how I, I approach it. I think there's those, there's that schedule filter. There's kind of the skill filter for pitchers, especially like if somebody's jumping out with swinging strike or the velos up or something like that, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll definitely pay attention for pitchers then. Yeah, a lot of similarities. A lot of it's the schedule, kind of how I was mentioning earlier. I look ahead. I try to look ahead more than anything. Good matchups, even for hitters, like are they in Coors next week? Um, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Things you can speculate for. Um, it, the underlying metrics, like you said, it's kind of small now, but for like potentially dropping certain guys you're high on. Like I was looking at, at Trey Mancini the other day, and his underlying metrics are ridiculously good right now. He's just not producing. So that's one mm-hmm. of those guys I'm like, I'll be more patient with. Where you know you look at Bryson Stott and you're just like, this just stinks right now. Like this is just bad all around. So it kind of changes like what you can do in that respect, which then adds, can I add a guy or not in those scenarios? Uh, and do I speculate on someone by dropping a Bryson Stott type thing? Uh, so you can go that route. Um, Pitching is one thing I keep trying to get better at. It's tough, but there's really no perfect science to Fab. It's more just I look at team needs, I look at schedules, mm-hmm. and I team go that needs. way. Like if, if you guys have been listening to the show, if Andy's listened to the show long enough. He knows I'm not a Miles Mikolas dude, but I can understand what he's done so far this season. I know smart people like Toby and the robot and those guys are all on Mikolas. And I looked into how he's done so far this year. And it's actually, it's actually striking guys out right now, which is like, that was always my bugaboo with him was the strikeouts. And he's got some great matchups coming up. So the schedule comes into play. Like it's just one of those deals where you get ahead of that one and then see, see where it rolls. So um, that's what I would recommend doing. But uh I'm not the fab whisperer like many. I'm trying to get better at it, but there's no exact science. I'll tell you that much either. It's a it's a wild ride. Like if you ask how to put bids in, you're on your own. That's just a whole nother animal. Um, I mean, he's he's pitching with the best defense in baseball behind him. Oh, I'm not disagreeing he's, with your stuff. I was just always like, I hate empty like uh, starts. Like I need uh, that strikeout of behind me. And he he didn't have that. Like ever. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying yeah. there's yeah. every reason in the world to love Miles Mikolas. There's oh, yeah. not a single reason not to. 
Now, now, now you're making me you're making me look at something here. So now we're gonna, while we do the last question here, Anthony um, Gialdi says, "Do you have any sleeper starting pitchers that are worth a speculative ad this weekend? How do you guys like your moose shirts? You don't have to read that on the pod. No, we're reading it because the moose shirts are awesome. The moose but, shirts, uh, shirts are great. Quality and everything, and it's awesome all around. But uh, do you have any sleeper starting pitchers this week for Mister Gialdi? Not really. Um, I mean, it's too late to help Anthony on." For this week, I mean, next week, I mean, he's a smart, he's a smart yeah, baseball player. I think we played in a, the same league one time and I think he beat me. Um, so, which was an OC, I think three years ago or something like that. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, everybody's so sharp now. It's impossible. Like Paul Blackburn, you know, would have been an example of a guy where I'm like, velo bump, you know, um, swinging strike rates up, all the metrics are up generating a ton of ground balls. He looks like a really good option. And I would have said him, but he was going for like 85 bucks, you know, this week or two weeks ago, you know, whatever it was. So I think it's really difficult to find, um, to find those guys now. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that are not on anybody's radar who kind of jump out. Um, I'm trying to think of one. There's only one that I have just going through the schedule because the following week schedule is not out yet on Rotowire, yeah. so I can't really give you like a super super sleeper. But just looking at two start guys for next week, um, I'd be willing to take a chance on Dallas Keuchel, who's got some strikeouts in a recent start. He has a great matchup tomorrow, and then next week he got as a two step going up against um, uh, Kansas City and and the Angels, two teams you can take advantage of right now, mm-hmm. especially if Trout's still out, which long ways away, but. Uh, there's not a lot of it's, it's mainly aces getting double two stuffs next week. So it's tough. It's tough. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really wish I could give you a name, but there's just nobody that's coming to mind. Okay. At so, all. um, you, yeah, I don't even, I would say Taylor Hearn, but he's got Houston and Atlanta. That's no bueno, but, um, you could do Johan Adon or not Johan Adon. Um, yeah, Johanna Dunn of the the Washington Nationals. Pitch he well has a pro, he has a projected two step versus the Marlins and at the Giants. That could be fun. So I would just want you to start start him against your team. So he yeah. against his team. So the Giants, man, they're they're doing it this year, and like they, they did last year. They're it's an all or nothing type game. Like there's a lot of swing and miss still in that lineup. So it'll be fun. But the, the, what I had to look up was on the same page. So the Miculous thing. Next week, the Mets and Arizona, which is very so, and Hicks is projected for that as well. So, but uh, the Mets and Arizona could be a fun one. Just gonna throw it out there. Mm. Good, uh, prove it to me, Mikolas, or you're back on the chopping block. This is what it is, and then it'll make the following week's show with Toby a lot of fun. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> but all right, my I friend. Really hope you pitch as well. That'll yeah, I mean Eric question. Fetty. I don't know if he's he's yeah. probably not even considerate because he's. He's rostered in probably like well over 50% of leagues, but he's a guy that I think is pretty good. Jordan Lyles, I don't think is bad. I have not a lot of DCs. Yeah, a, he's got some rough matchups coming up too. So Bruce Zimmerman, I have him on, him on a bunch of DCs, did not start him last week. Ooh, I mean, the Yankee, was um, it Yankees or is it Boston? It, yeah, it was like it was two, it was Toronto or something like that, and the Yankees, and he pitched well, you know. Um, and then one Will Crow. Will Crow well, on the Pirates, I like. I'll say one that's not a sleeper, but he might get a start pretty soon. And people have slowly been adding him. So in 15th, he might not even be available. But Rosny Contreras might get his chance pretty soon, too. So if you want to spec, like try to get ahead of the curve on that one. 
not the end of the world. And then I would see what the Giants do with Cobb going on the IL. Mm. You might get some Tyler Beatty in the rotation. Ooh, what about Jake Junis? Or what about Matt Boyd? Oh, he's not probably back from the IL yet. He's still banged up. Could Ooh. be Junis. Junis or pick Beattie. up the Giants pitchers. Yeah, that's why. That. See, see who they activate. They bring up for Cobb. There's one of your sleepers right there. <laughs> Have fun with that. But all right, Toby, we're going to wrap things up there. Any final thoughts as week three fab in the books? And uh, we got some fun stuff. Even Austin Riley stole a base tonight. That's how crazy things are. I know. I'm still waiting for Eddie, to, Eddie the Eagle to hit his first home run and steal his first base. Uh, nope. Just keep on pressing on. We're still very, very early. It's not even May. Um, and I, I'm telling myself that because my teams are disappointing so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's patience, patience, patience is... I get so many DMs about this, that, and the other. I'm like, guys, just chill. Chill. It's okay. Like someone asked if they should drop Whit Merrifield. I'm like, no. No, you should not. Please do not. Unless you want to be in a league with me. Unless you're not. in league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're in my league. Please, yeah. please don't. So, yeah, just be patient. I know it's tough, but be patient. Long season. It's not football. Long season. And on that note, we'll wrap it up here. Make sure you guys follow Toby on the Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BD Inter. We'll be back with you guys next week with your week four fab recap and much, much more. But this was Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 121. Catch you guys next time. That's going to wrap us up for episode 217 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast and edition number 121 of Bub and the Bat Flip. Hope you are enjoying these weekly fab rundowns, uh, getting into some details on some of the lesser lesser known or lesser um lesser uh rostered players i guess um so hopefully those are helpful keep the, the listener questions coming those are great um, always appreciate all of you uh listening to the podcast take care and be kind to one another <laughs>